This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is episode 26 of the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Thanks again for listening and for downloading. Thank you for uh, bringing me with you wherever you are today, whether you're on your way to fish or on your way to the cubicle. One of the things I've really enjoyed about the podcast is I've been able to revisit things uh, that I've been writing about for the past few years in a different medium. Um, Being able to riff off of things I've written and even explore topics that I wrote about from one perspective, but after some thought and even just through the the difference that the spoken word brings, um, kind of come back to things. Something that I've written about numerous times and is very close to my heart in fly fishing and in general is books. We are a culture that is kind of shifted away from the written word. We read words all the time, but they're in the form of tweets or in captions on Instagram or on the scroll on the bottom of the news. Um, and although those, those things are beneficial and they certainly have a time and a place and value, um, I think we're missing something. I think that there are some generational elements to it. I think there's some pace of life elements to it. But in fly fishing, we should be all about slowing down and appreciating the experience. So whether you are in a lazy boy by the fire or out in a hammock or sitting on a bus uh, waiting for your, um, your getting to work, having a book in your hands uh, is going to do something that your phone or your tablet can't do. Uh, I keep a handful of books at thumb's reach at all times on my phone in case I'm stuck without a hard copy of a book. Um, but and you're reading, you've got emails and text messages and social media chirps popping up, distracting you. Um, to be able to sit somewhere, you know, with a um, with a drink and a book and having your feet up, 
is a real great experience. I think it melds very well with fly fishing. Not only from that aspect of it, but fly fishing is naturally introspective. People um, have been writing about fly fishing and writing about fishing as long as they've been doing it for recreation. Um, there's something about the experience of being on the stream that translates so well into the written word and is something that people want to share and something that people not only want to share from a writing perspective, but also from a reading perspective. And so we have a rich history of fly fishing literature that um, I think is still celebrated, um, even though a, a lot of uh, folks aren't reading as much as they used to and generations not reading as much as it used to. Um, there's certainly a lot of respect. So I am I, not going to say that people have uh, trodden underfoot uh, fly fishing books in 2019. I just think that it's not getting the same sort of emphasis uh, that it used to. That being said, I'd encourage you to pick up a book and I hopefully make a compelling case or at least um, a case for the curiosity to get back into a book um, through this podcast. So what I want to do is talk about three styles of books, uh, three kind of genres that you find in fly fishing writing and uh, use them as case studies for why I think you should be reading fly fishing books. So the very first one that I want to talk about is a guidebook. And you're probably very familiar with guidebooks. Um, these are the, uh, the, the books that are published locally um, about your local water, giving you information about access and about history. But also some of the big publishers put these out. Wilderness Adventure Press is one. The No Nonsense Guides are another. And these are books that get updated periodically, but they have maps, they have hatch charts, they have access information, they have anecdotes, and uh, they're great for tools, but they're also great just to read. And they're also the perfect example of why having a hard copy of a book is so important. Um, I remember, for example, fishing the uh, West Branch of the Delaware for the very first time, and I tried to kind of do a DIY thing, which after getting a guide the next time I went, I kind of realized that it backwards and getting the guide first would have been the thing to do. But where I was, I had zero cell phone service. And so I was very thankful that I had a guidebook about fly fishing the uh, Delaware River system. And I was able to, without any cell signal, even if I had no battery, all I needed was enough light to see. And I could see where I could park and I could see the good spots. And as a waiting angler, places where I could go, where I wasn't getting to get myself in trouble. It didn't matter what I had on my phone at that time because I had no way to access that information. So having that hard copy of the book was incredibly invaluable. Um, the book that I want to recommend to you is actually called Fly Fishing the Mid-Atlantic by Bo Beasley. And uh, Beasley is an excellent writer. You might know him as the guy behind the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival or the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. Um, but he is a writer at heart and a great one at that. Um, and this book covers really from uh, New York all the way down to North Carolina. So I know that that hits a very large segment of uh, the country and the fly fishing community. But uh, even if you are not in that area, there's a very good chance you'll travel to that area. The amount of people that travel to New York, to D.C., and now these days North Carolina for business or for pleasure is just uh, staggering. Um, so whether you live there or you don't live there, this is a great book to pick up, both for the reasons that I mentioned earlier as far as having a resource, giving you information about these waters, but it's just well-written, well-illustrated as far as maps go, which is a very, very uh, important thing to, to have in your book. But it, the photographs are excellent also, which 
leads me to another reason to have a book like this. You can just sit and read it. Sometimes when I'm feeling nostalgic for kind of my home waters in Virginia and Pennsylvania, I'll pick up one of these books and it makes me feel a little bit, you know, sad. I'm not there. But at the same time, it's great to see pictures, read history, um, and and see, uh, see what other people have to say about the waters that I love so well. So this is a great book to pick up. And again, if you're a, a local of one of these places, whether you fish uh, fresh or salt, um, flipping through Beasley's Fly Fishing the Mid-Atlantic can give you information about your home streams that you might not know. Um, it can also give you great ideas for day trips that are within one, five, ten hours. I guess that wouldn't be a day trip. It would be a day to get there, but you know what I mean. Um, but again, great writing. Mixes anecdotes with local history. Um, it gives you all of those important things. Fly shops, guides, accommodations, nearby streams that he doesn't cover, flies to use, when to fish, seasons, types of fish you'll encounter, hatches or bait fish, equipment to use, flies to use. All of those things that you might be able to find on a website or might be able to find at a fly shop's um, stream conditions page if they update them, which these days you're probably as good buying a guidebook for most fly shops attempts at stream conditions pages. Um, but here you have really enough to get started in one place and it's done well. Publishers don't want to put out junk. And um, so a lot of the guidebooks, I would say almost all the guidebooks that I have, um, have really, really um, quality information and at the bare minimum enough to get your feet wet until you uh, get to a local fly shop. So that's the first kind of genre is the guidebook. The second one is like a technique book. And we all have one of these on our shelf. One of Tom Rosenbauer's Orvis books, one of the L.L. Bean um, you know, fly fishing handbooks. There's a lot of them out there. And these are great whether you're a beginner or intermediate or advanced angler. As a beginning angler, it just makes sense. You're getting concepts that are very, very uh, basic and you're able to start to understand all of the ins and the outs, all the terminology and uh, some of the, the things that you might see an angler do but not know why they're doing it. This tells you why they're doing it. Or you might see somebody doing something and read that it's totally unnecessary, which is probably just as uh, big of a deal. But for the advanced angler, and I've talked about this before, if you can't explain something, I would say you don't understand that thing as well as you think you do. Even if you can make a great cast, if you slow down and try to explain the dynamics of a roll cast, what goes into your hand motions, your rod positioning, your line positioning, the tension it has on the water, your follow through, if you can explain all those components, you might say, ooh, I don't really understand the line tension issue. What's going on there? And as you see that, you oh, that makes sense. I'm not getting the, the kind of loop that I want because I'm not taking into account how much line I still have on the water. That's just an example. But something like that, a good book with technique in it is going to help you flesh that out in your own mind, whether you explain to somebody else or you're just explaining it to yourself in your head as you're doing it or thinking about it. So that's why I think technique books are great for beginners um, all the way up to advanced uh, fly fishers to have on their shelf. The particular book that I have in front of me is Barry and Kathy Beck's Fly Fishing the Flats. And I love this book because the, um, the subtitle sold it to me, Making the Transition from Fresh to Salt. So I'd already worked in fly fishing for a few years when I bought this book. And although I'd been in a fly shop and I'd 
cast plenty of saltwater rods and I'd sold plenty of saltwater flies and I'd tied saltwater flies, I'd never been fly fishing in the saltwater. And so when uh, my first opportunity to, game, to go down to Florida and uh, fish the flats uh, down there, I thought, I want a book that is going to give me all of the basics. And this one did a great job of it 20 years ago, um, and it's still doing a great job of it today. So this is a book, again, there's a picture on the front of Kathy Beck casting off a skiff in just a beautiful place, but it's um, perfect places that aren't super beautiful, like New Jersey and Massachusetts and uh, you know urban environments, because it talks about anywhere you can walk and wade or get in shallow water fly fishing very simple explanations of everything from knots to equipment to fish species to flies whether they be synthetic or natural um, you know I had a lot of misconceptions about saltwater fly fishing until I picked this book up because I've watched plenty of Saturday morning fly fishing shows that focused on saltwater fly fishing but I just kind of assumed that you just like you go fishing for bass and come across um, crappie and pickerel and carp, you just kind of cast out there and catch something. I know that sounds super ignorant, but it wasn't until I picked up this book that I realized, wow, you are never going to catch certain fish in certain places, even though they live in that part of the world in the ocean. More than that, this book was very helpful at understanding things like tides. A freshwater angler, I had no clue how tides work. And uh, 20 years ago, I wasn't going to Google it because that wasn't a thing, but uh, this book was very helpful. And actually, relatively recently, I went back and used this book to kind of solidify a, a concept um, of, of approaching different tides for stripers, and uh, it's still um, very, very helpful to me. So fly fishing the flats, especially if you're a freshwater angler who kind of wants to dip their toes in saltwater. I know there's a multitude of YouTube videos out there and websites out there, um, but this is a great comprehensive book, big, beautiful pictures and uh, good illustrations that are static. They're not going to distract you because they're bouncing around and moving to music. You can just sit and look at it and kind of digest it. And again, even though it's a technique book, it's a book you can sit down and read through a few chapters and uh, enjoy. So we have guidebooks, we have technique books. The third is kind of an all-encompassing, just fly fishing literature. Um, we all know about The Complete Angler by Isaac Walton. We all know about all of John Gearock's books. And these books are wonderful because like I said earlier, fly fishing is something that people wanna share and people want to have an experience shared with them. Whether we're stuck in a cubicle or we're stuck in a hospital bed, or stuck in snow and nasty weather miles and miles from a trout stream or a saltwater flat, picking up a book where somebody else is eloquently writing about their fly fishing experiences can be some wonderful escapism, whether it be that's the only way we can kind of experience this, or because there's going to be a prolonged period of time between us reading that and us experiencing it. And so that is probably the most thought of form of fly fishing writing is the narrative because we get drawn in. I mean, fly fishing films are great, but uh, this is the original. Uh, the books like this that not only tell a story, but communicate kind of the deeper things of the sport, the, a little bit of the psychology, but also the technique and also the local history and things like that. But how all of those things 
interact together and work together to make fly fishing what it is. So my book that I've chosen to kind of represent this uh, genre might be my favorite fly fishing book of all time, and it's Charles Fox's This Wonderful World of Trout. So Charlie Fox was a South Central Pennsylvania author, um, and South Central Pennsylvania, specifically Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, has produced a wealth of uh, fly fishing authors that rivals, if not overshadows, what we have from the Catskills and from really any location out west. But that's for another podcast. Um, this book is great because it really does synthesize all of those things together that I mentioned. He writes about technique. He, he writes about casting and why you um, need to cast in different ways for different circumstances, but he does so eloquently. Um, he also writes about his experiences. The narrative portion of this book, which is about the second and third thirds of it, um, are incredibly engaging and engrossing. Whether you've never fished a Latorte or you have, um, or Big Spring, or Falling Spring, these these famous spring creeks in South Central Pennsylvania, the characters that he introduces, the um, hijinks that he gets into, and the enormous fish that he is stalking and chasing and really uh, obsessing about um, are things that we can all relate to. So this is a great book. It is out of print, but you can pick up you know a beaten up copy on Amazon for a few bucks or a good copy you can buy and send to me I will give you my address in direct messages if you do come across a first edition that's in good shape so um, this wonderful world of trout by Charlie Fox now those three genres again they aren't hard and fast they kind of are operate on a continuum and let me also say, there are some bad fly fishing books out there. I have some on my shelf that aren't very good, but the ones that have good reputations have good reputations for a certain reason. So if you head to castingacross.com and the show notes of this this post and this page um, from this podcast, there's a link to six articles with four recommendations in each. One book of each of the genres that I mentioned, as well as kind of a, a fourth and a wild card. Some of these books are just treasures they're absolutely worth the 20 25 30 dollars to to pick them up either first or uh, firsthand or used if you have a favorite fly fishing book let me know in the comments on the show notes of this podcast's page on castingcross.com or shoot me an email i'd love to hear if there's a book that you think i should read if i haven't read it i would absolutely love to pick it up um, or if you're an author and you've written something and had it published by a small publisher, I'd love to hear about that as well. This week on Casting Across, I wrote two uh, posts that uh, I think are worth reading. They're not long form, they're not books, but they're worth reading. Um, the first is called Fly Fishing Revelations and Rewards, and it really explores the benefit of being on a water a lot. The benefit of being on a river, a creek, a pond, a shoreline a lot, and how the time you spend in a place, um, if you spend a lot of time there, can probably trump and exceed being incredibly skilled. And uh, I had that experience one summer of just being on water and, and f a lot, the same stream, three, four, five days a week, and seeing things I would never see if I was only there intermittently, and uh, catching fish I would have never caught if I had only kind of showed up once a month or something like that. So fly fishing revelations and rewards, how there's an unveiling of water just by being around it a lot. The second one is called Glass Graphite, the Blue Halo Liger. 
I spoke with Courtney Boyce, the president and CEO of Blue Halo Fly Rods, about their newest rod that is available for pre-order now and will be uh, shipped this summer, um, summer of 2019, called the Liger. It is a glass-graphite hybrid. The tip is totally fiberglass, and then the second section introduces graphite, and the fourth section is almost all graphite with a little bit of fiberglass. So I talked to Courtney about where he got the idea um, and why he thinks it'll work. It's a really cool concept, and I would certainly recommend you check it out. My recommendation this week um, is all the books that I mentioned and the two posts that I mentioned on castingcross.com, but also the uh, Loon Outdoors Rogue Quick Draw Mitten Clamps. I just got these this week, and I've been playing with them quite a bit, and um, they're really good mitten clamps. If you need something to cut heavier line leader or tippet, they will work for that. If you need something to debarb hooks, they will work for smashing um, split shot, for pulling hooks out of fish's mouth. All the normal things that you use a pair of uh, forceps for, these will do that, and they will last a long time. What makes these special? Well, they have a carabiner built onto the side. So the common refrain among cynical fly fishing folks is, aren't those just forceps with a carabiner on the side? Yes, they are. You can buy a good pair of $25 forceps. You can buy a good pair of good forceps for $27.95 that have a carabiner attached to the side, so you can very quickly put them on a D-ring or put them on the strap of waders or your belt or something like that. And that's what these uh, mitten clamps do. So are they going to make you better fly angler? No. But are they a really solid pair of forceps? Yes. I've goofed around with the $5, $7, $10 forceps, and they always bend. They don't lock right. I've lost them because the the clamp part always undoes um, after prolonged use or they get rusty. These aren't going to do that. Um, they're again $27.95 is a great gift for somebody and it's also just a solid pair of forceps. So definitely check them out. I'll put a link to uh, Loon's page um, on the show notes of these as well. So I like them. I suggest you check them out as well. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.